Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once again for the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. I hope you've all had a good week since we last met like this and that God has both blessed and challenged you this week. Even more, I pray that he's used you this week to tell others of all that he's done for us. This week, our meeting is all about grace. And so we start with a song that's been sung by Christians for 186 years since it was written by Henry Francis Light, inspired by Psalm 103, and it's been amongst the most popular hymns ever since. It's number 55 in our songbook, and we're going to use that great, slightly more up-tempo arrangement that we've had for quite a while now as we sing Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. join together in prayer this evening, I want us to listen to a beautiful piece of music played by the band as they're offering this evening. It's Norman Bearcroft's trombone solo, A Word of Grace, based on that lovely song so rarely heard today, Christ Receiveth Sinful Men. The third verse of that song, it's number 435 if you want to follow in the book, reads... Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin, purged from every spot and stain, heaven with him I enter in. There's grace in action. And then after the band, Major Alex Still, who's married to my cousin Andrea, but also has a Fortress Radio link because his own sister Alison, along with her husband Andrew Stone, leads our Fortress Radio Holiness Hour every week. Well, Alec is going to pray with us. 
But first, a word of grace.
I've heard it said many times recently that we live in challenging days. But as I look back on the experiences of my life and I read the history books, I don't think that we have ever lived in days that haven't been challenging. The challenges have been different. The challenges have taken many different forms, but they've been challenges nonetheless. But as also as we read through the history books, we realise that we serve a God who is constant in his love, who is abiding in his grace. I love the words found in Hebrews chapter 13, which remind us that the God of peace provides for every good thing that we need in order to do his will. And the writer goes on to pray that Jesus Christ would do in us all that pleases him, that he might receive the glory. And so let's pray this evening that God will just bless us with his love, surround us with his grace, touch us with his peace, and that as we worship in this way, our hearts will be filled with thankfulness and praise. Because God is grace at work in us. Lord, hear and answer our prayer as you worship tonight. Amen. Our next song tonight is another favourite by Sidney Cox. His many songs, rather like those of Generals Gowans and Larson, are never far from any meeting leader's mind. And so often they appear in our Salvation Army meetings. I was reading just this week the memoirs of Colonel Norman Bearcroft and he mentioned that one of the privileges he had during his ministry was visiting Sydney. Although he was introduced as the Reverend Sydney Cox, Norman knew well, of course, that he had once been a Salvation Army major before he had to leave his Salvation Army service in order to fulfil his own special calling, which was to be a travelling evangelist. And Norman remarks in the book that the man he found may have been away from the army for many years by then, but his blood was still red, yellow and blue right through. So I think we can always claim him as one of us. The song I Am Amazed first came into army use when Norman chose it to be included in the Songs of Faith book in the 1970s. Then it was in Keep Singing and the 1986 songbook that followed, and of course it's still here now as number 170. The second verse is so apt for this evening. I am amazed when I think of God's grace, O word with a heavenly sound. For sinners condemned, what way could be found? More than sufficient, God's grace did abound. So let's enjoy singing this grand song together then. I am amazed.
For our testimony time this evening, we're going to use another piece of Norman Bearcroft's. It's his setting, Sing Along With The Band. The Colonel is quite unwell at the moment in hospital in America, and I'm sure a lot of our prayers will be winging their way to the Lord on his behalf as we join together in worship this evening. I've been going through a lot of old cassette tapes at home these last few weeks. And of course this piece was used a great deal during the sing-alongs at the Holiday Plus Fellowship Weeks at Butlins that Norman had such great involvement in. I can always remember my dad sat on the end of the trombone section in the Butlins band playing the trombone solo, which was the verse of Beautiful Christ. And while listening to one of those tapes, how thrilled I was to find a recording of my dad playing exactly that solo. Well, it's Father's Day in the UK today, so I make no excuses about using it, complete with 4,000 singers in the Gaiety Theatre with the Butlins Citadel Band. We'll sing the first five choruses featured in the piece, and then I'm going to read you a great testimony that I received this week, and then we'll sing the last two. So first of all, it's No More, No More, He Remembers Sins No More, Love lifted me, wide, wide as the ocean, Jesus is real to me, and beautiful Christ. Then we'll have the testimony, and then we'll join together in singing again, we're marching on, we're marching on, we're marching on together, and we'll sing in the morning the songs of salvation. This then is Sing Along With The Band.
I received this written testimony this week, which I'd like to share with you. It's from Cham Titus, who worships at Andover Corps. Do you ever look back on life and think, what a complete mess of it you've made? My biggest one was coming out of the Salvation Army and leaving chaplaincy ministry. In 2017, I allowed circumstances of the time, more than one, to affect my personal emotions, so much so that I ended up putting them before Christ. As a consequence of both these circumstances, I made an impulsive decision to walk away. Not only did I walk away from the army and the ministry of being a chaplain in two of our life houses, but I also walked away from a loving and caring spiritual family. I ask myself, was it the right thing to do? Perhaps so, perhaps not. I don't know, is the answer. In these past three years, though, I tell you it's been one of the most loneliest and darkest times. Whilst I may have attended Salvation Army meetings from time to time, not being who God made me to be and not doing what he called me to do has been one of the most... I don't even know the right word I want to use, void times in the sense of how I feel. But, yes, there is a but, we can't look after others' spiritual well-being if our own spirit is not right with God. I must share what has happened in this time. Having the time away has allowed God to purge my heart. It has allowed time for regeneration and the process of sanctification to take place. Hallelujah! I have heard the calling of the Lord during this lockdown period. The call back to army, yes, but more importantly, the call to worship. Christ should be our only focus and the very centre of our lives. If God is for us, who can be against us? Easy words to say, right? Yet why should I fear? Hast thou not died that no seeking soul should be denied? To that heart its sins confessing, canst thou fail to give a blessing? By the love and pity thou hast shown, by the blood that did for me atone, boldly I will kneel before thy throne, a pleading soul. The next four lines of that beautiful hymn has really immersed my whole being in body, mind and spirit. All the rivers of thy grace I claim. Over every promise write my name. As I come, I come believing. As thou art, thou dost receiving. O oh Lord, thank you. Thank you for receiving me just as I am. Bid me rise a free and pardoned slave. Master all my sin, the world, the grave. Charging me to preach thy power to save to sin-bound souls. Grace there is my every debt to pay. Blood to wash my every sin away. Power to keep me spotless day by day, for me, for me. What a gracious, loving 
and compassionate God we have. that great sing and thanks also to Cham for that testimony. It was so absolutely perfect for this evening's meeting. We will of course, you might have guessed, be using the wonderful song that Cham referred to later in our meeting. We're going to hear from the singing company now and this is from another of those old tapes that I found this week. It's Bromley Temple Singing Company here from around 1976, singing a lovely song by Alan Pinnock, A Day to Remember.
our Bible reading this evening is actually two readings. Firstly, from Romans 3, verses 21 to 26, and then Hebrews 4, verses 12 to 16. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And then from Hebrews chapter 4. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. And now as we stand before that same throne of grace, let's join together and sing a beautiful modern song by Robert and Dawn Critchley that reminds us what a faithful God we serve. It's number 378 in the songbook. Lord, I come before thy throne of grace.
going to speak in a moment a little more about grace. But first, let's hear from the songsters, a song that I'm going to refer to in my musings. By the grace of God. does the word grace mean to you? I have to say right at the start that grace is now one of my favourite words. It's been like a snowball that's been with me right the way through my life. I've known the word since I was very, very small, probably one of the first words I was exposed to regularly in my family. Yet it's been with me every day, and that snowball, if you can imagine, has picked up more snow everywhere I've been and everything I've done for 57 years. And it's now the biggest snowball that you could ever imagine. And its meaning has changed as the snowball has grown. At first, grace was something we said before we ate. Most Christians do it, but we're particularly big on it in the Salvation Army. It's the little prayer we say before a meal, of course. Grace. In years gone by, the Army used to have a little collecting box, I'm told, with Grace Before Meat printed on it, and we'd deposit a few pennies in it each time we ate. <laughs> we're thanking the Lord for his goodness to us, of course and praying that the food provided will give us nourishment and sustenance to keep us going until next time we eat. Our family used to use 
Lord, bless this food which now we take and make us good for Jesus' sake. Amen. My mum, in particular, used to take quite the offence if someone who visited us said, and keep us good, instead of make us good. That, I guess, was my first lesson in progressive holiness. We only become good in time, as a process, and only if we consistently pray for that betterment. Another was, for food, friends and fellowship, we thank thee, O Lord. I'll come back to that one later. At school we used to sing, Thank you for the world so sweet, Thank you for the food we eat, Before we ate our lunch. Oh, that schools still did things like this today. As I grew up, I realised that there were more and more of these little prayers that we called grace. When the band or songsters went anywhere, we used to use either one of two graces. The first was, Be present at our table, Lord. And the second was, We thank thee, Lord, for this our food. These two were great, weren't they? And they fit so many different tunes, you never got bored with them. They were such fun to sing before we ate in loud voices and those wonderful improvised harmonies that we used to do so well in the army. We enjoyed them so much that we used to sandwich the meal between them both. One at the beginning and one at the end, which we called Returning Thanks. What was your favourite tune? Truro, Remington, Mozart, Duke Street? The wag amongst the group might suggest Hernando's Hideaway, and on that day we'd tango our way through Grace. Sometimes, though, Grace ended up being controversial. I remember once at a Sunbury music school back in the 1970s, our camp director, Major Bramwell Booth, decided things had gone too far when one of the sergeants recommended we sing Grace to the tune of The Stripper. And he stood and stopped 200 boisterous students giggling our way through a rendition before sternly praying a proper grace in its stead. Oops. A slightly more infamous occasion was only told to me, having occurred at officers' councils. I wasn't there myself, but I'm told that a certain British commissioner once took great offence to for food, friends and fellowship, claiming this was far too flippant, far too short, insincere and insufficient to fulfil its purpose in even being a grace. That it was a mere token rushed in haste to allow the noshing to commence. He then prayed, I'm told, for a full ten minutes as the prepared food went cold, just to emphasise his point. Well, all that, I'm afraid, was grace for me for the first twenty or so years of my life. I knew about salvation. I knew about holiness. I knew lots of bits of the Bible. But in those days... And I don't think I'm the only one who'll remember things this way. It seems to me that the grace of God, the real, wonderful grace that's the only reason we're saved, was rarely preached from the army platform. Thank God that's changed today. When I was in my twenties, that great song that we just heard by Major Howard Davis, By the Grace of God, 
began to become very popular. And I think it was that song that very gradually began a dawning in me of what God's grace was really all about. That second verse, Jesus died, I never knew the love he had for me, the burden of my sin to bear. Now by faith a citizen of heaven I shall be, wondrous grace of God, I shall be there. This was God's grace, that Jesus left his heavenly home and came to earth to die for me. Now, I've always been a big chap, as anyone who knows me could honestly tell you. But discovering that made me feel small. Me? He died for me? Me with all my hang-ups, my depression, my temper, my anger, my failings, my refusal even to try to sort out the things in my life that I knew he didn't want there. Me. That, my friends, is God's grace. That no questions asked, I love you, grace that now I try to find a home for in my own life, all these years later. Wow. Grace is so much more than a prayer before eating, isn't it? As I said a few moments ago, I'm so pleased that now, at last, we often hear grace preached as part of a modern-day sermon on the army platform. For growing in grace is just as important for us as Christians than accepting God's grace is. We all acknowledge the latter, of course. We don't deserve all that God has done for us. Another of my favourite Howard Davis songs, and I have so many of those, is called Far More Than I Deserve. But at least we now acknowledge his grace to us. But what about our own growing in grace? I'm really sorry to admit to you that if you measured grace in inches, I wouldn't have grown very much at all in the first 20 or 30 years of my adult life. And I've still got so far to go today. But I do think that at long last, I am growing. Do I deserve God's patience? Absolutely not. No more than I deserve salvation. But that's the whole point of grace. I saw a quote this week from an American theologian that read, Grace is the opposite of karma, which is all about getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. How often do we hear people talk about karma today? Seems to me more and more all the time. He got what he deserved, we say with a profound air of sincerity and justification. Or we hear of someone we know doing something bad and we say, they'll get their comeuppance. It's part of our human nature, isn't it? But God turns that entire concept on its head 
with grace. It's giving each of us exactly what we don't deserve. Wow! Grace is, of course, also a very nice girl's name. I don't think I've known a lot of Graces personally. There was a girl in my class at school called Grace, and I can think of a couple of Graces amongst the numerous officers' wives I've known over the years. But there have not been many Graces in the corps where I've been part of the Fellowship. A few heirs, but not too many Graces. There was a lady in the corps where I was a student called Grace, and I've gone on to be great friends with two of her sons, Phil and David, but I'm hard-pressed to think of many more than her. Yet, when we discovered that we were going to be parents a few years ago, Sarah and I had quite a strong inclination to give the name Grace to any daughter that we might have. For we'd both finally learned to appreciate all that God's grace had done for us. Rescuing me from the loneliness and despair that I'd been in for many years. And in Sarah's case, helping her to find love again after the tragic death of her previous husband in an awful road accident. God's grace rebuilt us. And then we heard a meeting led by our commanding officer, Lieutenant Hugh Dutfield, all about God's grace. And Hugh's wife, Ruth, also spoke, explaining more about grace and telling us of the acronym for the word G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then we knew that we would use that name for his great blessing to us. And when our daughter was born in December 2016, Emily Grace joined our family just after Christmas. And now we have a real living example of his riches, living in our midst as a family. Christians live every day by the grace of God. We receive forgiveness according to the riches of God's grace. And grace drives our holiness and sanctification. Paul tells us in Titus chapter 2, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. Spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We read in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Grace transforms our desires, our motivations and our behaviour. In fact, God's grace is the centre of everything that happens to us in the Christian life. There could be a thousand seminars and discussion groups working parties and mission strategy conferences to examine what evangelism is and how we should go about it in the 21st century. But the answer is, the news of the grace of God is the gospel that everyone needs. It's a grace that they don't even know they need, let alone seek for. Grace is our identity. By the grace of God I am what I am, it says in Corinthians. 
Grace is the reason we can stand justified before God. By grace we are saved. Grace is our daily strength. Paul told Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus. Grace should influence the way we speak, the way we serve. When we need to take Jesus to a world in great need and times of difficulty, it's written in Hebrews, we have the grace to help us in times of need. Grace is the reason we evangelise. We are called to testify to the work of grace in us. And it is grace that assures us of a future. A future beyond that blue horizon. And hope beyond death. In Romans we read that it is grace through righteousness that leads us to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, how is your grace tonight? Are you, like me, trying to grow in grace day by day? I hope so, brothers and sisters. And if not, then please do something about it right now as we listen to Ian Johnson's great recording of Herbert Booth's song. Grace, there is my every debt to pay.
I'd like to thank all who've taken part in our meeting this evening. Ian Johnson, the Brisbane City Temple and Portsmouth Citadel Songsters, the Bucklin Citadel Band, the Canadian Staff Band and others who've helped with our accompaniments, Bromley Singing Company and, of course, Major Alex Still for his opening prayer. After our benediction, we're going to hear one of the great songs of grace. It's Major Leslie Condon singing with the Enfield Band a real song of grace. Could you love the unloved? Not without grace you couldn't. With banners and bonnets they come. Well, I shall be taking a well-earned rest next Sunday after doing this for 14 weeks in a row. But the Salvation Meeting will still be here in the hands of Fortress Radio and I'm already looking forward to being back with you again on Sunday the 5th of July. But before we go, 
I thought we'd all like to share in singing that great song that we listened to after the message. One of the true Salvation Army classics. It's number 474 in the songbook. Not that I need any excuse, but this is probably my favourite of all Salvation Army songs. All the rivers of thy grace I claim, over every promise write my name. As I am, I come believing, as thou art, thou dost receiving, bid me rise a free and pardoned slave. Master all my sin, the world, the grave, charging me to preach thy power to save to sin-bound souls. Good night, and God bless you all.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, keep us all in your love evermore. Amen. of the lost, sharing their grief and despair. That's the creed of an army, a God-fearing army, with banners and bonnets they come. Yes, to love the unloved in the spirit of the Lord, marching with trumpet and drum, with banners and bonnets they come. Trump!